Yo, this is this is awesome because I uh, so the first time like we interacted was through that video where you gave us your rookie of the year prediction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like all my friends were like, "Yo, no way!" Like my like Ryan Hollins gives his like uh, his prediction for rookie of the year. Like everyone was so hyped, you know, like when they first saw that video. So, uh, you know, that nah, man, I'm glad it worked out. And like that's why I try to like I rather have a rate when I do like cameo where like I can reach more people, you know, like instead of trying to be all wild, do something where you can reach people and you interact with people and like you show everybody love, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 No, dude, like that, that was awesome, man. Like we were like, yo, no way. Like, um, cause my, my buddy gave his rookie of the year prediction and it was just awesome. So I appreciate that again, man. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess to start off, I mean, uh, you know, maybe just talk to us about how you uh, grew the passion, uh, grew a passion for the game of basketball. Man, for me, I would, uh, my passion for basketball grew, me and my dad, every, uh, you know, Saturdays and Sundays, we'd sit around and watch college basketball or NBA basketball. And, um, you know, it was that, that 92 championship with Shaq and uh, Keen. And those are my first memories, like a basketball. And then in 95, UCLA won a national championship. And like, you know, as a kid, like you remember that first moment where you're like, okay, that's a two point, that's a three, that's a foul, that's out of bounds. And the game just clicks for you. So those moments really helped me fall in love uh, with the game. And I knew at that point, it was something that I wanted to do. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome, man. So, um, yeah, cause you played, uh, you played college ball at UCLA and, um, you know, maybe, maybe just, you know, talk about that process, right? Like that adjustment from high school to college, you know, maybe talk to us about, um, you know, what was that college life like, you know, like bouncing, you know, basketball. And then, you know, you did track too, right? Like high jump. Um, I saw that somewhere. Um, you know, how, how, how were you able to balance life socially along with, you know, academics and, and uh, athletics as well? You know, for me, like UCLA was like, it was like, Big, put your big boy pants on and grow up uh, in the sense that, you know, I was living in a fantasy that I was going to be the next Ed O'Bannon or, or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And UCLA didn't recruit me right out of high school. Um, I was actually signed to the University of St. Louis. And when my coach left, UCLA came in the picture at the last second. But when I looked at UCLA, it wasn't just a dream. It wasn't just I'm doing everything I should do. It was like, hey, man, you're going there for business. And I didn't go there just for the prestige of UCLA. I went to UCLA with the mindset that I had to make it to the NBA. Mm -hmm. So it was it was business. And I saw myself as someone that they didn't really want, but they were taken because I was seven feet and I had good grades. Mm -hmm. So when I got there, I was like, man, I had to prove myself. So everybody that I compete against, you know, TJ Cummings or Dijon Thompson or Jason Capone, those guys, like it was war, like. I was trying to go at everybody. I was trying to make my name um, and and prove myself because I knew at UCLA, these guys were supposed to be the best of the best. These all Americans. So I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta get on. So I would just go in and and work and and play hard and show up to every open run and, you know, really show out. So, you know, things obviously didn't go as smoothly, but you know, it's weird. I'm the guy, like the story of my life, if you always look back, like I was cut in high school, story of my life is always I'm always the guy cut or the last on the list or whatever and somehow I, I, I've been really blessed to find ways to come out on top and just to just survive and then 
my senior year, we make it to the national championship and we don't have that run. I may never be drafted, you know, or maybe I have a shot, but it's, you know, it's not the same as it was. So I always have a, a, have a way of bouncing back. So for me, it was just really cool to have that happen. And I know I have this like resilience in me that when I'm against the wall, like instead of complaining and soaking, I'm going to, I'm going to start taking those every day, every moment by the horns and go and make things happen. Yeah, man. That's a hey, major respect, man. You're getting me going just sitting here, man. Let's go. Um, Thanks, man. That's awesome, man. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, at UCLA, I mean, that already, like, you're already at with so much pressure, I feel like, right? Like, at a young age, big school, Division One basketball, you mentioned the national championship. Like, how, how are you able to balance? Because I'm a college student right now. Yeah. I can't even imagine that, bro. Like, I could Yeah, yeah. No, it was, like, it was crazy. Like, I remember certain days, because, like, you know, you're young, you're in college, you want to get out and party and kick it. Like, there weren't enough hours in the day. I remember, like, certain days, you know, you stay up at night till 2, 3 a.m., like, hanging with your buddies, you know. Then you got class at 9 a.m., classes on way on the other side of campus, so you got to wake up by 7.30 or 8, go grab something to eat. Then you're at class until, you know, 12 o'clock. Practice is at 3 o'clock, so you only have time out of practice to run, grab something to eat, go straight to practice. Practice lasts until 7 at night. So you're going in there from 3 to 7 till you get out. And then, you know, the athletes may have tutoring at 9 p.m. So then I got to go to a tutoring session at 9 p.m. to catch up on the stuff that I had in class. So, I mean, those hours were like crazy. Like there were some days like there was just there was literally no sleep. And then, you know, obviously, as a ball player, you want to get in as much extra work as you can. And you're young. So you want to enjoy, you know, you want to enjoy college. So I just remember college just being being a grind like I, I I'm even getting like tired just thinking about yeah. those type of hours but like yeah classes are hard enough as is so you know I would take advantage of the tutoring and whatnot and it's you know it's funny like when college finally started getting real easy to me is you know I realized like I stopped hanging out with like the the the, the athletes from my sport because I'm like all right if all the if all of us football and basketball players for the most part are struggling in classes yeah. <laughs> what's the guy on the tennis team doing Cause he's got straight A's. Yeah, he yeah, seems yeah. to never have any academic problems. So, you know, I, I started learning how to network and take advantage of my surroundings. So, you know, guys like that, I'd be like, man, what are you doing to study for the test? You know, how are you going out and, and, and approaching things? And I started working smarter rather than just harder, if that made sense. So that really made my college experience a lot easier. Cause I'm like, I know I'm just as smart as these guys, but you know, they know how to tap into resources more. I went to high school at, at, John Muir High School in Pasadena. And the classes I took weren't, did not have me on par to be a student at UCLA, you know? So like I had to catch up because a lot of these things like I wasn't doing in, you know, senior year, you know, I did just enough to get by, you know what I'm saying? But once you're at a, at a, at a school like UCLA, like, I mean, dude, like it was work. And you know, it's funny. Everybody feels like, oh, athletes, you guys just get handed grades, bro. It was the complete opposite because the teacher would see you walk into class and they would be like, because you're an athlete, I don't think you deserve a scholarship. Jeez. A lot of those teachers feel like there should be no uh, uh, athletic scholarships. So they would go like extra hard on you. So uh, you had to prove yourself. Like I had a war in college just to pass some of these classes. So, you know, it, it, it was tough, man. But 
you know, I, I tried to just lean on either a support system or just asking the right people around me because you got a student over there who's just breezing through stuff. So I'm like, man, like, how are you doing what you're doing, man? You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it, it was good to communicate or like get out of your shell because, you know, you, if you're the only one failing in there, like something wrong, like you got to learn how to connect with people and then obviously, you know, go to go to class and go go figure stuff out. Yeah, man. Jeez. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I, I just don't know how you're able to balance all that, man. Like I, some of my friends right now, like, you know, they're student athletes and I don't know how they do it. Right. And like, no, I, I just think it's insane. Like, are you, were you able to like, able to uh, like balance things socially as well? Like, were you able to hang out with, with your squad or? Oh yeah. No, nah, we, de we definitely hung out a lot. So I think that's just where I'm, I look back and I'm like, how did I even have energy to do that? Like, you know, UCLA Thursday nights were like the party night. So you go mm -hmm. Thursday night to Sunday <laughs> you know, like partying and, and hanging out. And then, uh, and then, you, and then that would like, you know, that would be it. But, you know, the UCLA was on a quarter system. So it's crazy. You know, it could work for you or against you. You know, mm -hmm. you had to pick the right classes. And then what would happen is, you know, your midterms and finals come up really quick as opposed to the semester system that draws out with more homework and stuff. So like, you know, it was almost like you would go like you would just go crazy on these homework assignments and finals. And like, man, I remember like a couple nights like you're pulling those all nighters until three, four in the morning, you know, banging out some of those papers. I was a history major. But, you know, like that, you know, that was but like, you know, like I, I really started to value like study hall in the tutors. And I would go in there for business like, hey, I got to do this, this and this. I, right. I knew typically that like to tell them like, hey, this is what I need. Right. Like give some of the notes. Cause I swear, like some of those professors aren't great. You'll be sitting through their whole class and then the test is on something they didn't yeah. teach. And you're yeah, like, yo, trust me, bro. Heck. I know it. <laughs> I feel like, that, bro. The heck, man? It's I kid you not. One of the wildest stories I like I was in class one time and I had this class and like, it was just going right over my head, bro. Mm -hmm. And like, I forget what the paper was on, but I'm like, yo, I don't know what this is about to be. And like, I wrote, I wrote the paper and I was like, bro, I failed this. I don't know how, like I'm looking for a story to tell my counselor and make this excuse up. Yeah. And the teacher comes back and he's like, man, that's a, you, you got an A plus on the paper or something. I thought he was like joking with me. And he was like, that's one of the best papers I've ever seen. Like it yeah. was on like, you know, the, the, the social injustices of like, you know, the colonization in America and yeah, yeah, yeah. European colonization. I'm like, yo, yeah. like what? <laughs> Yo, I would have just thrown in the towel, bro. I would have been like, yo, I can't do Yo, if you're a history major, like my friends are history majors, they're always writing papers, you know? Like, I feel like that's always, always you know, like what you're always doing. So like, I mean, that's crazy, man. So like, was your family and, and friends like supportive of you like during this time, like bouncing school and, you know, possibly pursuing a career in the NBA? I mean, you know, talk about that in-between period of, you know, post-grad or, uh, you know, post-college going into the NBA? Man, I, um, I was the first immediate member of my family to make it to a major university or like a four-year college. So yeah. I felt like I was obligated. I had to do it. So I didn't really, I don't want to say I didn't feel support from my family. Cause like, yeah, no, like my dad would like, if I needed money to get jeans or whatever, I could, he would, he would take care of me or like little things like that. Or like he made sure like I had a car for transportation. So he gave me like a lot of support, but he could only give me so much of what I, he could because 
like even at UCLA with a scholarship, I was a broke college student. Like that was tough, but like my dad would support me, but like, I didn't, you know, school wise, I didn't have someone to rely on or like my dad didn't have trophies. Like, Hey, when I went to college, it was this, this, and this. So I was the first one, you know, really figuring stuff out, but I had a feeling that I had no option other than to succeed. So I'm like, bro, like if you're the first one in your college, you have to graduate. It's funny. I had one teacher, one teacher left, one class left. And this guy was like, he was screwing with me. He was screwing with me. And like, it was so bad because I had the tutor and I'm showing the tutor the paper I'm writing and he's the tutor assigned for the class. And he's like, there's nothing more you can do with this paper. You've completed the paper. Yeah. yeah and this yeah, guy yeah. kept telling me he was trying to be cool. He was like, nah, this isn't a passing grade, um, but I'm going to let you do it over. I'm going to let you do it over. I did the paper over like 10 times, bro. I kid you not. And my tutor was like, I can't write. He was like, I've read the book. 10 times. Right. I don't know what you're missing. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. like there's nothing, I don't know what this guy's looking for. Right. And like, and I got to a point, I just told this guy, I was like, Hey bro, as nice as I can put, it, I said, I'm going to be the first one in my family to graduate college. You're going to give me a grade that's passing and we're going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we're not going to do anymore. Yeah. yeah like I mean, we're not yeah. going to do anymore. There, you know, there's gotta be a point where it's like, I mean, how many times can you write it? Like, what does he want? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And like, you know, like, like my first year or two, you know, I was a bit of a goof off, you know, like I felt like I was just there for basketball. So I was doing class, but when it came down to the really hard work, you yeah. know, I, I was avoiding some of it or I wasn't doing as good of a job. So, you know, it's funny, like when I, like, you know, like something happens, gets all the cool knocked out of you. I, I took a, I, well, me and Mike Faye, we took a class on the Beatles and we took a class on the Beatles thing. Like, oh, Beatles, that's cool, man. Like, who doesn't like the Beatles? Yeah, yeah. Bro, it was the hardest class I've ever seen in my life. It was like the musical notes of the Beatles. Um, what was the mood of John Lennon back in 1964 when he wrote, like, like not even, like, Love Me Do or the big songs. Like, what happened? What, what was the climate in the country? After, like, it was wild. And, like, we had to drop the class. I get on uh, academic probation, and it was like, yo, they just told me, hey, if you don't pass every class you have from here on out, you, you're, you're going to be kicked out. You're on probation. You got one strike and you're out. And I was like, all right, all right, it's business time now. Like, I'm yeah, not yeah, playing. Yeah. I'm yeah. not playing with this no more. Like, we're going <laughs> to yeah. knock this out. And I remember I was trying to explain to my coach. He's like, what's up with this class? And I remember I was so, like, frustrated. I was trying to tell him because he was used to me, like, goofing off. But he knew I was getting my stuff together. I'm like, dude, I'm doing everything I can. Like, I'm not lying. I'm, like, I'm yeah, trying to yeah. tell you, like, there's nothing more. <laughs> that I can yeah. be doing right yeah. now. Yeah, man. Jesus. Dude, I can't believe they had a class on the Beatles. I might have to I might have to go to uh UCLA, man. I might No, no. Hey, bro, you don't want this one. <laughs> this was like it was yeah. like obsessive like you would have to be like an A&R or like a, yeah. a like a music exec to like to have passed this class. It was that right. crazy. Yeah, no. I, I would have done the same thing. Like I would have been like, "All right, that's that should be chill, you know." And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man, but that that must that must be crazy. I mean, so like you go from, you know, trying to get through these classes, writing papers, you know, and then, you know, you're going into the NBA, you get drafted like, you know, how did that hit you, right? Like you, when you heard you were getting getting drafted um by the Bobcats, in uh, 2006, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, like, what, what was going on in your head, right, from going from – You know what's crazy? Like, I always felt like I was behind, man. I felt like my back was against the wall. So, 
I went straight from the national championship to training. You know, a lot of guys lose earlier, so they have a lot more training to do. So, like, I was on a mission. Like, right when we finished, I worked out. We lost that Friday or Saturday, and I worked out that Monday. Like, I was on a mission to make it to the NBA. So, even by the time the draft hit, I got drafted 50th. So, I just knew – I knew I had to work. Like, I knew – I knew my back was against the wall and I was upset and like, I never had time to even celebrate it. I don't think I really even celebrated getting drafted. It was like, you have work to do because I felt like I had to catch up. And I just remembered, you know, like, it's funny when I went down to Charlotte for the first time, I thought I'm coming for a visit. Right. Mm-hmm. So like I go down for a visit. They're like, nah, we need you to stay. Yeah. And like, I'm like, what? Like, now nah, you're staying. So, bro, I had to, like, stay in this hotel, and they shipped my they, – like, they boxed my clothes and shipped them to me. Like, if you've never been able to move your, like, personal stuff, like, yeah. it was crazy, but I had to do that type of stuff. Like, I had to do that stuff just to survive, bro. So, yeah. I remember just getting drafted. It was just wild. Like, I never got that – if it makes sense, I never had that dream experience. Like at UCLA, I never had that, oh, it's a dream. Like it was like, nah, you're behind and they don't really want you like that. So you got to work. Maybe right. that was a blessing. When I got to the NBA, it was never like, like the first time I had an NBA moment, I was at the game and I looked over, we're playing the Heat. I saw Shaq, Dwayne Wade, yeah. Adonis Haslam, you know, all those guys. And I'm like, dang, I'm here. Then I looked in the crowd, I saw my parents and I looked around, like, you know, you kind of like, it was like a reality check and it was like, yo, like, this is wild, man. Like, this is crazy. But that to me, that was the, that was like the first time it was like, you're in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. You were constantly working, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. Like the whole time, the whole time through. Yeah. Dude. I mean, respect, you know, like, that's what makes people great. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, so like first, first few years in the NBA, you played for um, the Flyers, right? Like the Fort Worth Flyers, you played for them for a little bit. Yeah, I, that was a D league at the time. So what the team was like, oh, you're not getting a lot of minutes. We'll send you down to the D league. And when I got down to the D league, it was like lower than college. Like it was bad at the time. I don't know how the G league is now, how it's marketed, but like, it was like, yo, like, this was like the worst basketball environment ever. No weight room, no stuff. We were practicing at, like, like a, 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 a YMCA. Like, every time we got our clothes, our clothes were wet. Like, it put me in my mind, like, if you worked hard already, I was like, I'm doing anything to make it in this NBA because I, I can't be in this D-League. I was like, this is too crazy, like, my first game, I had a, I darn near had a, a, a triple double. I had 14 points, 14 rebounds, and like eight blocks. I was like, I'm not going to be like, I don't belong here. I wanted it to be so glaring that I didn't belong here. Right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it was like, it was just, it was just a crazy experience. And our coach, Sidney Moncrief, he was trying to kill us. Like, <laughs> he would practice us so hard, bro. Like, it was like he was just taking stuff, he was taking out frustrations on us. I never I practiced so hard one time, I'll never forget this in my life. I was in a full sweat, drenched in sweat, stopped sweating, and then I started sweating again over my sweat, and I could see the white from the old sweat. Jesus. 
and it was like, bro, like, I'm not doing this. Yeah. Like, I, I got, like, I, I got to make it out of this. Yeah. Like, I, I can't be, I can't be a part of it. Like, I got to be better. Like, this is yeah. too much. You, you know, it, yeah, I mean, you know what's crazy, man? Uh, we actually just talked to um, Chris Copeland, right? And he was one of your teammates, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. my guy, man. Yeah. <laughs> We, we we legit just talked to him like two hours ago. <laughs> like he was, oh. yeah. He he uh, he was telling us about um, you know, like playing with the Flyers and like yeah, same same thing that you were saying. Like it's a grind, you know. And you know, respect both you guys, you know, because that that's straight up hustle right there. So um, yeah. I mean, Chris's story is like his story is just as crazy, if not crazier, because he came into the league killing and like you know he was kind of in between. They're like, oh, Chris, you're a little you're a little too short or you're a little too slow or you're a little too this. And like, he just, he, he had the league on fire for a while, man. Like right. he could play yeah. like Chris can flat out play. Yeah. Yeah. No dead ass, man. Yeah. So you guys were tight. Yeah. That's still my guy to this game. He's, yeah. he's one of the <laughs> guys ever yeah. like to be around, man. Like that yeah. dude, that dude, like I love that dude right there, man. Like he's, yeah. he's different. He's different. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he seems chill, man. He, he's, he had a great story as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys um, – so you played with the Bobcats for up until, um, like, 2009, I believe. Um, you know, talk about uh, in 2008 you played with the Dallas Mavericks, um, you know, and then 2009, 2010 you played with the Timberwolves. Um, you know, those, I mean, those two teams right there, they had some great players, too. So, I mean, even that, I feel like that's an experience, right? With the match, you're playing with Dirk, you're playing with JT, you know, Sean Marion. I know you guys are – you guys seem pretty tight, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I knew Sean from, like, from pickleball and everything and being in L.A. and competing against him. So, I didn't have a chance to play against him, play with him, better yet. But we were in Dallas, man. That was some of the funnest basketball I was a part of because – I had never been so open in my life. Mm. You had Jason Kidd with the basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Dirk would pop behind. And when mm. I would roll, I'd be wide open because mm. Dirk's man wouldn't leave him. So right. I was getting so many dunks and I'm athletic. I had never had that many dunks in my life. So when I was getting the basket, I was doing these crazy. And they were people looking at me like, yo, this kid is like, he jumped yeah. so high. This because. I never had a chance to dunk, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. because the crowd would be so clogged up. But playing with Dirk, right. everything's spread out. So I'm like, oh, man, if I set a pick and roll, it's over. Yeah, that, yeah, no, for real. Air Holland's over here, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nah, that was – I mean, that was yeah. fun basketball, man. Yeah. And then Dirk's such a great guy. Him and Jason Kidd, two of the most humble yeah. teammates I've ever played with. And, yeah. You know, normally the, the guy on the – you know, the best player on the team is kind of cocky or arrogant. Right. But like Dirk is so down to earth, man, that right. like it was just contagious to be around him and so humble. Like, right. like I love playing with Dirk, but even more so like his attitude, like he's a true leader right. because his humility, the way he'd step up in big moments, like like you never had to question who he was or what happened. And it like to me as a role player on that team with Dirk, right. I felt like I wanted to be the best at my job because I knew how great he was. Right. Like, man, if I can get an extra rebound and get him the basketball, the ball's going to go in the hole. You know, like, yeah. hey, if I can yeah, play yeah. enough defense, he's going to score the basketball. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so like, he, like he was that that good. Yeah, so he, like, helped you out? He, like, mentored you a little bit too? Or or uh, did Kevin Love mentor you a little bit as well? Or, did like, how, how was that? How were those times, you know? Because you played with, like, right out of the gate with two great – 
you know, uh, you know, power forwards, you know, with, with Nowitzki and, uh, and love, you know, in, in Minnesota. Yeah, Kevin was intriguing, man. You know, it's funny, like, I don't think we really knew what, how good Kevin Love was at the time. You knew he was good. He was a different type of superstar, but I don't think we really knew how good Kevin was. He's one of the smartest basketball players I've ever seen. Right. And he's like a bit of a throwback. Like Kevin plays like a grown man in the sense that like, he's not flashy. He's going to play under the rim, but he's going to get 20 points and 10 rebounds every time he plays. Mm. And he's not the greatest defender, but you're just not going to burn Kevin Love. Like, right. you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, 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 he yeah. would find ways to be effective. So, like, like, it was fun playing with Kevin. And he's a little younger than me at UCLA. But to watch and see how good he was and right. how hard Kevin worked. So, he's one of my funnest teammates, man. Like, Kevin is a really – you talk about a good dude. He's like a really genuine dude off the court. He's not, it's not faker for show. Like that's yeah. really who he is every day. Like yeah. big props to Kevin. Yeah. You, you still stay in touch with him a little bit or? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll hit him up. I'll talk to him whenever I can, man. Like, like it was, you know, I, I love like working with Kev, man. Like that dude, he's a heart of gold, man. Like for real, like, yeah. like really good teammate, man. Really oh, good yeah. guy. No, I, I, I love what he says, um, you know, because he's a big mental health advocate, too. So, like, I see some of his stuff on that. And, you know. and that, was, that was big for him, bro. Like, think about how scrutinized he was. Like, right. everyone was, oh, Kevin's not producing. Kevin's not good enough. And then you play your first years in the NBA and your team is losing. Everyone's blaming you. And he's like, man, I almost had a meltdown. Like, that's real because as an athlete, you have a perspective of yourself that's up here. That's up here. And you're looking all the way up. And when things don't go right, you go through years of losing, it breaks down your mental and who you are. Mm. So I'm telling you, you're a failure if you, don't, if you don't win in the NBA and you fail that life. And a lot of people define themselves by how good they are at their workplace or their job or NBA players, how well they do in a basketball game. Right, so when right, you right. go in a basketball game and your team doesn't do well, Right. Your mental is down here, bro. You're depressed. Right. And we're right. taught that from a young age. Right. And then you go out and you're like, oh, he's the man. He's the man. But you're depressed. But like, right. and then you people talking trash about you or saying stuff like so, that hurts. Yeah. That no, hurts, man. So like, I love that Kevin stepped forward because even as men or especially as basketball players, it's supposed to be so tough and so macho, right. but like it's yeah. therapeutic to talk about the things that you're going on in your life. And it's okay to be frustrated with those situations. I'm like, right. you do need help dealing with right. fans and coping with people that are just saying stuff. Like, people say the nastiest stuff. They're like, oh, he should deal with it. He's making millions of dollars. Imagine if every day you opened your phone, you saw someone calling you an a idiot, you're stupid, you're sorry, you're this, you're that. And partly, you're kind of frustrated because you're not doing well. So you're like, dang, there's a little bit of truth there. Like that's that's a bad place to be in, man. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't hope that on anybody. Yeah, no, geez, man, that's that's rough, man. I mean, yeah, because I mean that must have been tough for you too, because you you played, you know, you you had those, you also played for some great teams too, like with, with the Boston Celtics, right? Like, did you feel more pressure playing where a team like you know with the Celtics when you had like Pierce, KG, Allen, right? Like talking about mental health, like did that bring you like? Did that bring more pressure upon you personally, or, or did you feel? I think um, those situations were easy because we had great leadership and, like, playing with Dirk, playing with KG and those guys, I just had to do my job. 
But the most pressure I ever felt was in Cleveland. LeBron was, 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 was there the year before he left. And the whole idea was, oh, we don't need LeBron to be good. So you want to prove your worth as a ball player. And things didn't go right. We set the record for losses in the NBA. And back then, teams wouldn't, a GM or front office owner wouldn't tell you, hey, we're tanking. They would just say, like, oh, we're losing games. What's going on? But imagine going into a situation when you're losing and no one's telling you the game plan or, like, what's really happening. Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm depressed. Like, I'm frustrated. Like, we're mad. We're upset. Like, every day, like, losing. And then, like, our coach wasn't, like, smiling about losing. He was mad about losing. Mm. And, like, we would work so hard and couldn't win a basketball game. Like, I was like, man, like, I'm giving everything. And then you lose. And at some point, you're like, oh, well, let me just stop trying hard. Like, that starts to set in. What am I doing this for? You see some people give up. Some people don't. Like, that was that was very very trying and taxing. Those my heart goes out to those teams and those players on teams that are getting blasted in the NBA, fourteen or fifteen win seasons because they don't want to lose like that, bro. And then you have some people yeah. giving up. You got some coaches getting fired. Like yeah. just stuff happens. Yeah, man. I mean, dude, that must like I can't imagine that pressure, right? Like like you said, like LeBron leaving Cleveland and like you know you're still young too. Like that's just like a crazy time, you know and yeah, I mean, major respect to, to all the guys out there, I mean, that have gone through that, man. I mean, that, that's insane. Um, yeah, I mean, because the next year you went to Boston, right? So I, I'm actually from Boston right now, right? So uh, I, I'm, I'm a Celtics fan. So, um, you know, I, I'm curious to, you know, hear your time, you know, with, with in Boston. You know, what, what was that like? I mean, you know, that 2011-2012 postseason run was awesome, right? I mean, you guys – beat the Hawks, the Sixers, go to game seven with the Heat. I mean, that must have been nuts, man. The coolest thing is that I always played basketball because I loved it. I love what I do. Right. And my first years in the NBA, you know, I was in a lot of losing situations. Mm. So all I got reminded of was that the NBA was a business. And don't play too hard because you might get hurt. Don't play too hard because you might hurt someone else. Like, I've always played for pride, and pride was taken out of the game of basketball for me. But when I went to Boston, KG, Rondo, Paul Pierce, all those guys played because they had pride because Mm -hmm. it meant something to win a basketball game. It meant something to work hard. So they helped me fall back in love with the game of basketball and say, like, man, this isn't work. This is something that you're going to enjoy every single day. So that run that we had, it was special, man. Like. We were playing for pride. It wasn't for just, oh, we, we were going to beat the Miami Heat or whoever. Like, right. that meant something. Right. Those yeah. games meant they, meant they meant the world to us. So that, to me, was it was just super cool just being a part of it. Yeah. What, what was that atmosphere in the locker room like? Was that – were they – you know, was Pierce, Ray, KG, were they tight on and off the court? Or, I mean, I mean, what was it – you know, what was the you know, atmosphere in the locker room like? Everybody was really cool, man. But like, make no mistake, like Kevin Kevin Garnett was our leader. Mm. And you know, before the games, I was like learning how to be a professional. I was learning how to prepare for games. I was learning how to read my scouting report. Like, it was business. Like, you know, like you wouldn't always take other teams. I was on the scouting report as serious. You would do it, but you wouldn't be as locked in. Like, when I was working with KG and those guys, 
we read a scouting report like our lives depended on it. Mm. We read scouting reports and prepared for games like it meant everything to us in the world. Mm. Like I'm going to if if Dwayne Wade was in a pick and roll, I was going to put my life on the line to stop him. Right. That was like the mindset. It wasn't like, oh, we're playing basketball. It was like, I'm going to do anything right. in my power to stop this guy. I'm going to help my teammate out. Like, right. I'm going to trust you with my, like, I'm going to trust you to have my back. Yeah. Like, I'm going to fully do that. Yeah. And it was crazy because, like, I had that attitude in college to make it to a national championship that I go to the Bobcats and they're like, you know, why are you playing so hard? Why are you doing these things? Hey, man, relax a little bit. You're doing too much, you mm -hmm. know? But, like, I love the game of basketball. So when I got to Boston to see that, nah, we want you to play hard. We want you to sell out to the game. We want you to do those things. And, like, mm -hmm. keep in mind, like, playoff basketball is completely different than season basketball yeah. because you're getting 110% from everybody that you can't get in an 82-game season. Yeah. So – that for me was just amazing to be a part of. Yeah, no, man. I mean, yeah, because you're, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's postseason was like insane, right? I mean, against yeah, Philly. Unreal, man. Yeah. And we planned to win a championship. Yeah. But it was like, this is our plan. It wasn't that we were putting it in, in the media or anything like that. That was our plan. Like, we're going to win a championship because we're better than Miami. We're better than Atlanta. We're better than Philadelphia. We're better than whoever. Yeah. You know, we knew that if we just played hard, we had a team that could turn it on. Right. And we did. And we, I mean, we had a, we were a game away and we we're in the, we we're in the locker room. Like, man, we want LeBron and Dwayne Wade and those guys. We're going to, we're sending them home. Yeah. You know, we wanted yeah. that. That was the mindset. But, you know, history shows, we know Le LeBron James becomes LeBron. Right. And his story has never stopped from then. But, you know, the moments he had, like, he was just, it was just – it was an out-of-body experience that he gave us when we were up – Yeah. We were up 3-2 at the house with a chance to win. And he yeah. he put a show on, man. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you – yeah, because that, that was probably when you were like, yo, LeBron's a GOAT, right? I mean, that was probably when you were just – It took a while after that watching the run. But I, I will say NBA players and our team in particular, we didn't really respect LeBron. We thought he was soft and we didn't think he would show up in big moments. And when he did that, it was like, you're the king, man. Yeah. Like, you're yeah. just not really good. You're the king. And, right. and you're, he's the real deal. Yeah. Like, he's not for play. He's not for games. Like, it was like, nah, LeBron is the real deal. That's crazy. And those were the feelings after the game, after, after what he did to us. Right. Yeah. I mean, did you, yeah, because the next, the next year, right, you, you went to the Clippers, right? So, like, did you still stay in touch with, you know, some of your teammates on the Celtics, right? Like, I mean, that, that must have been, like, a huge year for you as well, right? Like, in terms of personal growth and, and uh, you know, moving on to, to the Clippers and trying to bring that, you know, experience on with you as well. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, do you, did you stay in touch with them or did they give you any advice, you know, when you moved on? Or Yeah, man, you know what's funny? Like, when you have a run like that in the playoffs, those aren't teammates, those are brothers. So if I ever see Avery or Keon or KG or Paul, like, it's love. Like we give each yeah. other hugs. We talk like you've like really gone through something. Yeah. So you, you, you go to war, you go to battle with someone like you're, it's like, you never forget it. So yeah. when, when we did that, we, like it was, it was special. Like those times in Boston, like they never change. Like, I don't care if Keon is on another team, we're going to compete and play, but it's like, yeah. nah, we're going to talk because yeah, we, like yeah. we went to war with each other. Yeah. 
That was that was an. I, I remember watching that postseason run, man. I was like, yo, this is dope. This is unreal. Yo, know, and nobody thought that our team was like that good because we came in sixth and then we dropped the game on purpose. We could have went fourth or fifth, but we wanted to play Atlanta. We knew we would beat Atlanta. Right. And yeah. people didn't think we were that good. So it was like, nah, that's fine. We 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 would fuel off what the critics would say. Like we love that. I remember that, man. Like I remember everyone was like, all right, like this is the end of the dynasty, right? Like Pierce, KG, Ray, we're all getting old. And you know, like you said, like the Celtics were like six seed that year, or some yeah, somewhere around there. And like, yeah, I mean, you know, just having that mentality, right? Like keep going, you know. I mean, that's insane. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, the next year you went to the Clippers, right? Um, and, and it's funny that we we talked to um we talked to JJ, right? Because you were teammates with JJ, right? Um, for for a year as well. Um, you know, I, I don't want to keep you too much longer, so I'll try to wrap it up soon. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, with the Clippers, I'm just curious. You know, you're you're back on a team that has high expectations with Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre, right? Lob City, there's so much hype. You're in LA, big market. Um, you know, in some ways I feel like that in my opinion, you know, as a fan, I could be completely wrong, but you know, it could it, it seemed like a similar scenario almost with Boston, just from an expectation standpoint of of um, you know, representing the West and the finals, making a postseason run. Um, what, what was your time in LA? Like, you know, was it a positive thing? Did you, did you enjoy it? Um, you know, cause, cause I, from, uh, JJ said it was like, you know, pretty dramatic, right. All the time and with all the guys and sometimes, um, yeah, I'm just curious on, on your standpoint, you know, what was, what was your time in LA? Like, did you enjoy it or? My first year, man, it was some of the best times of my life. Like, basketball it was so much fun like we went through the month of december undefeated we were blowing we were blowing everybody out and then we played the miami heat at home and put hands on them too and that was supposed to be the big test like we had expected nothing but a championship but you know our team just wasn't prepared to execute at that big of a stage yet but I mean, like, I, I tell you, like, that was some of the most fun. Like, I, I don't think, like, if I give you perspective, all right, what happens if you go to a game and a guy gets a big dunk? What happens? Everyone's just, like, rowdy, right? Like, everyone. All right, bro. We used to have four or five big <laughs> yeah. dunks in a row. Lob City, man. Lob City. Imagine. With Chris Paul. In the game, <laughs> as a fan, all right, you see one dunk, you start going crazy, Right. Right. We would get four or five of them in a row, and we would just right. go on runs. Right, 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 right. And they would, they would start cheering. There's no environment like that. And other than maybe the Golden State Warriors, mm -hmm. there's the only other team that had a scenario like that. That I, right. I would say when they blow people out, people start cheering. Yeah. Steph would shoot a three. Like, it was just so right. loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had an environment like that. Yeah. And for the fans who were there that year – it was like, yo, what are we watching? And we right. were blasting everybody. And right. then the bench would come off, and the bench would start blasting. Like, yeah. teams would have to keep their starters in to play against our – like, <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. Like, we yeah. were just – and we, we would hang out together. Like, 
it was like it wasn't basketball. Like Chris Paul, we would go to his house. Right. You know, Matt would have something. Blake would do something. Like it was like it wasn't basketball, bro. Like right. it was insane. Yeah. So you guys were just all like, you guys were just chilling at everyone's house, right? Like you guys would. Be- everyone's house. We were together on the road. We we did everything together. Wow. Yeah. Everything. That that yo that must have been awesome, man. Like catching up dunks from from CP and and. Don't. Bro, we were like, we were killing. Like, it was, it was like the NBA was like too easy. Yeah. It was almost like, yo, like, yeah. is this really the NBA? Like, it was too yeah. like, and then like we could feel it. We would, we were so good. A team would kind of play us close, right? And then we were like, we were itching. Like, we're about to go on a run. Like, it's coming. Like, yeah. we're about to go on a run. We're gonna get it. Like, we're about to break it open. And once yeah. we broke it open, like, yeah, we would just have a. It was funny, like. We just didn't know how to switch that into playoff basketball. We didn't have principles. Like, you know how Golden State is just so free? But right. Golden State has little things they want to do. We were just missing one more tweak or edge yeah. to where we could have done it in the playoffs. Yeah, man. That's, that's, that's crazy. That must, that must have been a fun time, too, because you went to school at UCLA and, you know, growing up there. So, I mean – it was the dream, bro. I got my dad. My dad didn't have to travel across the world to watch me play basketball. Right. And so, I mean, across the U.S., but that was the first time. Yeah. So every time I went to work, it it was just it was different. Like this was my home. Like mm-hmm. Staples Center was my home. Like Pac-12 right. tournament was in Staples that time. Like this yeah. was my home. Right. That that's different. Yeah. Man, that that's unreal, man. So your fam was at every game cheering you on and everything? Every game, bro. Yeah. Damn. Every game. Respect. Imagine that. Every game. That's respect, man. So I mean everyone in your family must have been hyped, right? I mean, seeing- Yeah, it was unreal. It was yeah. it was like it was unreal. Like it was so cool. Like it yeah. was it was crazy. Yeah, man. It was unreal. so cool. Um yeah, I get I guess to I don't want to keep you too much longer, but uh yeah, I mean, I, I guess overall, I mean, you've had a great career in the NBA. You played a little bit overseas as well, um, and you're an analyst now. Um, you know, do you enjoy your career as a professional player, or or uh, do you like it, like being a analyst better? I mean, different stages of my life. I, I can never regret, you know, playing basketball, and I wouldn't have – you know, opportunities or easy opportunities as an analyst. Like I love basketball first, but I know as an analyst, like it gives me opportunities that like, I'm still talking basketball. Right. Yeah. I would be watching the game and we'd be sitting around, bro. And we would be talking basketball for free. Yeah. (laughs) So like that I can make money doing it or like do something I love. Like, I feel like I haven't worked a day in my life. But now I have time to be with my family more and do stuff at home. So, right. you know, your maturity, your maturity level and your needs, those, those change from what they used to be. Yeah. So that's why I love broadcasting. Like, it's just really cool. But I think right. there's certain places in your life where they, where they fit. Like, cause I'm young enough. I could be overseas playing. Like I can still run, jump. Yeah. Like I, you know, I participate in the big three. Yeah. So I can do that. But you know, the broadcasting just means so much more. Yeah. You, you just enjoy it that much. Yeah. I do, man. It's, it's fun, man. I like to talk because it's hard. It's yeah. challenging. It makes you work. That's what I enjoy. Once I realize, like, no, there's a challenge in this, like right. that's what really fancied me. Right. Yeah. 
no, it, it's it's funny because um, you know, like shows like you know First Take and and all these debate like shows, you know, they're 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 the, they're the thing, right? And it's like, you know, are those authentic, right? Like, are those are those like all? Because you know, we um, was it like Rob Parker was saying like, yeah, this is all, this is all legit, right? Like what you hear, like people like they aren't scripted, right? Like everything people no. say, yeah, no, it's not scripted at all, like. All right, so like, how do I put it like this? I mean, Skip Bayless may just show off for you a little bit, but yeah. you know, I can't speak for him, but he's very knowledgeable. I think he's one of the best in the game. Like for me, I don't say anything I don't mean. So like, if we're debating, of course, I'm gonna be hard on my, the side that I'm debating. I'm not gonna be tottering back and forth on my debate, right. if that makes sense. So, yeah. but I enjoy it, but if I said, I think this guy is good here, and then I mm. have a conflicting view. Right, or right, if right. I'm not being genuine to myself, you're gonna get yeah. caught up. You're gonna be like, wait, yeah. didn't you just say this, yeah. this, and this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. Also, yeah. like, you, I, I speak for my feelings. Like, if you believe something, you go say it. You know, I, all I would say is the difference with those shows is like your opinions aren't gonna be lukewarm. Right. It's a yes or a no. You ha you have a strong opinion. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. So it's no yeah. different than what we all do in barbershops or we do with our buddies. Like we right. argue like that with our buddies, but right. you're just seeing it on TV. And I believe that's the allure of it. I think the disappointment is where people cast judgment on me without mm. really knowing me, you know? Mm. So I think for myself, that's, that's a frustrating part of the debate show. So maybe I could do a better job of have opened it up like who I am. Like right. some people are like, oh, like Ryan Hollins is a jerk. And I'm like, dude, I'm a I'm the biggest communitarian yeah, I mean, down to earth. You're like, you don't know anything, man. Yeah, yeah. Like they don't know me. Yeah. Like, bro, like I came from nothing. Like, but they oh, he's like, you don't like like listen, bro. Like, I'm trying to like what you're watching a debate show. What did you expect to see on a debate show? Right. You know? So yeah. I would say that's probably the most frustrating part about it, but um, it's fun, man. I feel like I'm competing. Yeah. Like it's fun. It's enjoyment, enjoyable. Like yeah. it's entertainment. And some people, they just take, they take their team or their mindsets too serious. Yeah. And it's not, a lot of that stuff isn't, it's not worth it. It's like, okay, what's, like, what's wrong with you? You know? Right. Yeah, no, literally, man. I, I mean, listen, man, it's so tough, right? Cause everyone, everyone's always got going to say something, you know, and it's just like, no, that's why I respect, you know, you got to, you got to say what you believe, you know, like you got to stick to it. And, you know, cause even if you try pleasing someone, like they're still going to have something to say, you know, like, so my yeah, yeah. belief, you know, dead ass. So it's like, um, yeah, keep that up, man. Respect. Um, yeah. I mean, do those debates carry off air as well or no? You said, do they carry around like off the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like offset. Like do they sometimes we will have stuff that we'll talk about offset or, or go at it about, you know? Like like it, it does happen like that sometimes, you know? Every everything's different, you know. And I think like the best shows are when you just have natural chemistry. Right. Like you can and you can kind of tell, like, nah, they're really going at it. Like there's right. natural chemistry. Or like it's funny, people get frustrated because I smile and I laugh all the time. Like, why are you bad? Cause I love what I do. Yeah. Like, but it's just natural. I'm enjoying myself. This yeah. is chemistry, you know, like, yeah. so sometimes, you know, there will be debates that will be talked about, you know, after the show or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just didn't know. Sometimes they get so heated where you guys just keep going. You know? I mean, they're not arguments. Like, there's no personal feelings. Like, people think 
me and Max Kellerman have a problem with each other. Like Max Kellerman is like my big brother. He helped start me in the media business. So when I have, when, when me and Max go at it, two brothers are going to call each other bozo and stuff like that and laugh and joke with each other. It's nothing personal, you know? So like, it's funny that some people feel that way, but it's like, nah, like Max is my guy. Right. Like, like, that's my, like, you don't understand. Like that man is open as his home up to me, myself and my family and my children. Like, like Mm -hmm. that dude's amazing. Like, and that dude, he'll give you the shirt off his back. Like Max is, he's legit, man. Yeah. How, how did you meet Max? Like, how did, how did you get into the media? I'm curious. Media business. I started doing radio when I played for the Clippers at ESPN 710, and he was working at 710 with Marcellus Wiley at the moment. Mm, yeah, man, that's, that's dope. And you guys both made it big, man. Respect, respect. Um, yeah. yeah do, do you prefer uh, play-by-play or, or, um, or uh, debate show better? I would say, man, my, my goal, what I would probably say is debate show, because I have a lot to say. And you have two hours to just to be yourself, let your personality grow. You have to be witty. It's incredibly hard, which means you have to work at your craft. I think I have a lot of work that I have to do to grow and be better at those shows. And I'm embracing those opportunities. But when I think of debate shows, that's why I like I like those shows because it's 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 a science to it. You know, like you have to work to be good. Like yeah. nothing is promised or just given to you on, on those type of shows. Like you have, you have to go prove yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, that for real, bro. For real. I mean, you talk with Stephen A too sometimes or does he mentor you or? No, not really. Um, we talked a couple of times, but you know, mainly, you know, Max is, Max is my guy. We have a, a better rapport and you know, if it makes sense, like for the most part, I will be on the show when Stephen A is not on the show. You know, so Stephen A is not on the show. That would be my time uh, to come in, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, hey, I mean, respect, man. I mean, you're killing it. Keep it up. I mean, you just sort of jumped in the media business, and, you, you know, you, you're doing it. You're putting in that work, and and uh, respect, man. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I know this was pretty long, so uh, uh, I'll let you go. But, um, yeah, hey, you know, man, we, we keep up. Keep up the hard work, man. Respect. Um, keep killing it. Wishing you the best. Um, I'll be popping in the IG lives with uh, you and Haywood and, and snacks maybe occasionally. Um, but yeah, man, just just know, uh, cancel out those haters. You got you got our support, and uh, you know I know there's a bunch of beat bullshit out there, but you got our support, man. And if you got, if you ever need anything, uh, let us know. No, I appreciate it, man. That that support means a lot. You know, I don't think you should be too high or too low with stuff. And, you know, you got to give respect to everybody. So, like, you guys coming on, like, I value everybody who's down for me, man. Like, those yeah. are – that that's big, man. So, I, I, I definitely – I really appreciate that, bro. Oh, man, we need more people like Hollins, man. We need people that are willing to put in the work. Let's go. <laughs> bro. Hey, yo, well, we, we got to get your rookie of the year prediction next year for sure. So uh, Oh, we got you, bro. We got you. I got you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right, yo, I'll let you go, bro. Peace out. And, uh, yo, are you playing 2K, too? <laughs> playing Madden, man. I'm actually ranked number one in the world in Madden in, uh, in head-to-head. Hey, dead-ass shit. What, what, what team are you? Uh, I'm a I'm – well, I do Madden Ultimate Team. It's Ultimate Team. Oh, okay. so you, yeah, kinda, yeah. you can create your guys. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a blast, man. Yeah, no, man. I, I got to get back on that grind, too. But, yo, I'll, I'll let you go, bro. Appreciate it. Salute. I appreciate you, brother. Talk to you soon. Yeah, peace.